morning, and welcome to Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Dry, protected from the wind here in the WNHH studio, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines of the stories that make New Haven tick. And good morning to the person who makes New Haven tick more than anybody else, Mayor Tony Harp. She's here in the studio for her regular Mayor Monday checkup on what she and we are up to in the Elm City. Join the conversation by posting a comment on our New Haven Independent Facebook Live page. That's become the place of choice in the last few weeks for people to send in their questions. So that's the place to go. You just go to Facebook, New Haven Independent. You'll see the video. You can post it. Or if you'd like to be like Bob, two calls at 203-8727-ELM. 203-872-7356. Today's program is made possible in part thanks to support from Bertram Moses PC and Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven. Man, we didn't know, we weren't able to say that years ago. <laughs> thanks, Gateway, and thanks, Bertram, and thanks, Mayor Harp. Welcome to the studio. Thank you, Paul. Good morning. Good. My intelligence sources already tell me you had another one of those busy weekends while most of us were just kind of chilling out and reading and sleeping, <laughs> and we'll we'll get to all that. But first, Sunday night. Sunday night became a very busy night for you and everyone who works at the city, beginning with 56-mile-an-hour gusts of wind in the city. Wow, it was uh, it was amazing, and um, you know I just want to thank our city employees, the Department of Public Works, the Department of Parks, Recreation, and Trees, the Department, the LCI Department, Livable Cities Initiative, and uh, our police and fire. They were all out there early in the morning, working hard. Some being carried over and continuing to work. Unfortunately, there was power loss. I guess over in the um, City Point went city dark. Point, yeah. 700 people lost power. 160,000 yep. statewide, so most of our city did okay. Most of our city did okay, yeah. I was uh, um, on the phone with my youth services director who lives over there and says, oh, we just lost power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about City Point is those big trees on Howard Avenue. Those are stately trees. So you have these big storms. Whenever a tree's ready to go, Yeah. then when the big storm comes, they go. So f- at least 15 trees went down that took down power lines last night. And you talked about people working all night. Matter of fact, when they were on my block on Central Avenue when the trees came down, the cops were there because they have to make sure that nobody gets electrocuted. That's a good thing. And yeah, that's a good thing. So they, you know, David, they, they, they watched. And that's why some of these cops, I guess, were held over from C-Shift overnight to do that. But city points where it really happened. You can go to the independent, look at the pictures, courtesy of Rick Fontana, the emergency management chief for the city. And he was talking about, you know, you talked about these crews that worked overnight. He talked about how if you're in public works, one in the morning, you get woken up in bed and they say, we need a payloader right now, you know, and they had to get these trees out of the way. And all these crews, little city uh, parks were out all while we were sleeping to, to deal with this. And, you know, you know, it wasn't a hurricane. It wasn't the kind of storm where you have the emergency operations center going and we have everyone parking their cars different places. It kind of caught us a little bit by surprise. I didn't know it was going to be this wind that was going to knock power out and they closed scout school today, although they did save the fish with the emergency generator in their, <laughs> uh, in their aquariums. But it kind of brings people together. I think people in New Haven get excited when there's, we're not happy that the weather's bad. We get more and more of it with climate change. And I think... We've got our rhythm. I think there's a supportive network. We got information shared well. Citizens now are getting these alerts you get, whether you get them on your text, your phone, or the phone calls with the deep voice of your emergency management chief telling us what to do. Or, But I, I kind of feel we've got a good groove in the city for super storms and events like these. I think we're working really hard. I've, I've got to um, give a shout out to Mike Carter. They plan with all of the department heads that are involved and... Um, and I, I think a real effort has been made to 
to try to make sure that we, we, we do the best that we can on behalf of the safety of the citizens of New Haven. So while in the middle of the night everyone was dealing with that, there were 35 students from Hill House High School stranded yeah. by the highway off Baltimore, near Baltimore, I-95. They were taking a bus trip to visit colleges. They had chartered a bus and the alternate belt went. So the storm starts really lashing them there and they're off the side of the road and two hours later they come back trying to fix the bus and they can't and they're right. going to be there all night. So even your school superintendent was up past midnight arranging other buses to come get him because originally they were told six, seven hours, no food, no bathroom, in a storm off the side of the road on this trip to look at colleges down the D.C. area. And I guess middle of the night, our Reggie Mayer got involved in school and then Teddy Barrow who does the school systems transportation, even though it wasn't a school system trip through the school system vendors, they got another bus there and they got hotel rooms for everybody and stuff. No, they really did a great job. Actually, um, uh, Alder Morrison was there with them. She called me and, you know, they, they were very disturbed. They were, they knew that they would have to wait for a bus to come from Connecticut to pick them up and, um, and not having the conveniences and really having 35 kids and trying to keep them calm and worrying a little bit about how their parents are feeling about what's going on with them. Uh, but the interesting thing was that everybody still wanted to go forward with the trip. So um, uh, hopefully this will be uneventful as a trip uh, after last night. All right. Hope now they're going to find some good schools to go to. And uh... Yeah, they were on their way to North Carolina when I talked to them. <laughs> Yeah. So, and except for a few hurricanes, they might be better off once the winter comes. <laughs> and then back to the roots of New Haven. So many African-American families come from North and South Carolina. Even more, I guess more South Carolina, right? In New Haven. Well, I think it's both. both. Yeah. Yeah, it's always interesting mm -hmm. to me how many families trace the roots there. and people, Some people retire and go back. And from, and you know, even if they're not related, they're from the same town or the same community, which is really kind of interesting. Nicole Harrell has uh, posted Good Morning Mayor on uh, Facebook Live. Good morning, Nicole. Thank you for listening to Mayor Monday here on WNHH Radio 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. And also last night we were getting calls, I guess the uh, LCI department, the cops, the neighbors in Westville were spending all the way from one in the morning until 10 at night trying to get the alarm off on Conrad Drive. That's what I understand. A vacant house. You lived there, I guess, three years ago. You left four years ago. Yeah, about, about three and a half years Your husband ago. owned it, and then the, the bank owns it now. But they right. couldn't find anyone to shut off this alarm and resounded through the golf course <laughs> so that people were hearing it from five blocks away every half hour and waking up. But yeah. I guess uh, Monique Cologne, who's the district manager there, ended up spending all the time with us. See how they finally got... They couldn't get anyone from the bank to give permission to the alarm company to shut it off. Right, right. And so... Uh, so they called my, well, actually they called me. I, I had no real way of knowing. I don't even know what that alarm is. Um, but they called my son and he tried to help out. And I and I understand that they finally got it off, but I think it was going on for almost 24 hours. I mean, yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate. Well, but the issue there is when banks own buildings. Yeah. So, and this has nothing to do with just this property. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds mm -hmm. at any one time in the city. Used to be worse. I think it used to be thousands. When the banks own them, they hire a management company, and often it's hard to know whom to deal with. So right. Livable Cities Initiative is your anti-blade agency, and they try to have a human being to call. Mm -hmm. But that's a, And then we're going to get in a few minutes to the idea of that with New Hallville and where the walk went. But Bud Mensch writes in, good morning, Mayor. Good morning, And Honda Bud. Smith writes in, good morning, Mayor Harper. Good morning, Honda Smith, Bud Mensch, and Nicole Harrell. It's great just to hear you check in yeah. and listening to us here on Mayor Monday. So Mayor Harp, there was very exciting first two days in New Hallville last week, exciting in the world of wonks, those of us who really just <laughs> love policy and 
get excited and we don't watch American Idol as much as like New Hallville Idol, which was that you had all your departments test out a new idea right. for how to fight blight in neighborhoods. So in New Hallville, we've had all these, um, you know, in Hallville used to be the single highest rate of black home ownership in the city. We're talking a couple, about a generation or two ago. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of the beautiful old homes, a lot of them have been bought by these real estate management companies. There's one that has bought 300 units in New Hallville in just three years. My goodness. And, um, and they're not even the ones you're having the most trouble with. And they own more than the housing authority. And we go to some of these blocks, like Marquisha Ricks and I went to one of these blocks because of this effort you're doing. And we found one woman who's owned her house for 50 years. It's in good shape. Another man across the street owns, I think 30. They're retired factory workers, the way so many people mm-hmm. used to be when they were factory jobs. That's how they own their homes. And the one guy was planting new grass seeds. She had the great Halloween display. And she said, look across the street. And she showed us a neighborhood housing services house that was in great shape with a street light. But then the other ones, there was this one falling apart next door owned by these absentee landlords. So you brought all your departments together that deal with neighborhood issues. You brought your cops, public works. You brought livable cities and inspects housing. You got fire marshals, inspects housing, the health department, make sure they're up to code. And you discovered that every time somebody goes from one department to a property, there's no central place they put that information where right. somebody else can instantly find it. So let me see if I got this right, Mayor Harp. You're doing two things. You brought dozens of people from all these departments at once and say, let's sweep the neighborhood. Let's look to see every problem we can find. Talk to people about how when they see these problems, they can let us know. Let's fix these problems in a big way to get it started. But then for the long term, let's get all that information about every property in one place online through a new app that your staff developed called CityStat so that every time someone's dealing with a property, a cop, a health inspector, they instantly, with one push in their phone, find out everything that's been going on in that property, whom to check. And you found dozens and dozens of roofs there were porches in bad shape, health problems. You condemned some houses. You found some streets where you're going to um, jumpstart some traffic calming measures. You talked to a lot of neighbors. So the idea is that you want to roll this out in other neighborhoods if you see this is going to work. So you had two days, Thursday, Friday, and folks can read about in the Independent. How did it go? What did you learn? Well, I, I think it went very well. And one of the things the people who were out there doing it really felt like having the, by that I mean our, our city staff, having the various departments um, involved that were doing other things, they really felt that it was a, a great model. They wanted, and they're really excited about all of the things. We're, we're, we're doing a retrospective on Friday to figure out I mean, Everything. this coming Friday, you're going to look back at what you did. Right. And to figure out what what uh, what it is we learned, how we can do things better. But it, it just, it came about as an idea that thought, if we coordinated, and now that we have IT that uh, can look at every single building in our city, uh, wouldn't it be great if if every time you go out to that place, you don't have to, to reinvent the wheel? So... Long story short, uh, those people who were out there felt that it was well worth it. We have other communities that are asking to be next. And so, Fairhaven, the Hill. And, and folks, downtown, actually, too. Downtown. So <laughs> yeah. for some reason, folks, we just got a flood of questions on Facebook. We got a call. Hold tight, everybody. We're going to get to all of you, but I don't want to cut this topic short. So my reporter, Chris Peek, was out there. He got that buzz we sometimes get as reporters when we see line city workers, not the ones who make speeches, get so excited to just do their job. Right. You had people just, you know, meeting people. They saw like 13 meters outside one building and yet the place is falling apart and how do we let that happen? Mm-hmm. Immediately condemning a building, immediately fixing something. 
and that's fun. What what is interests me, Mayor Harp, is what this means for how you rethink city government. So we're supposed to inspect every house in the city, and there's no way you can do that every right. year. And even with the budget we have, and the, I know how hard these people at LCR work, people like Rafael Ramos, you know, Mazadra, Frank Demore, they work. They could work 90 hours a week, and you would still not get to every house. So it seemed to me that part of what you were doing here is to see how using, and you can't raise taxes because people think there's a point in no return if you raise taxes, it prices people out, you're not going to get more money. You're trying to use the staff you have and find a way to more effectively get to all the problems. Right. So right now, often the worst problems you don't find about because people don't report it or that's not the, you know, the people you have to go inspect. So part of what you're trying to do is not just fix a bunch of problems in New Hallville, which is great to do through one sweep, but to find out why some of these things fell through the cracks, how to get people used to calling you to let you know, and how to look at how that data you collected will give you an early warning sign in the future to know that a problem is developing. The broken windows theory, fix a broken right. window before it becomes a broken block. Right. Now that's exactly it. What we're doing is testing the broken windows theory. To It makes sense. Um, and so we use GIS mapping to look at where the crimes are occurring in New Hallville. Um, the low-level crimes as well as the high-level crimes where the guns were being fired, you know, traffic cr- climb, crimes, all of those things. And we were able to identify certain areas, certain streets. Heat maps. Heat maps. And, um, and then we also had a conversation with the LCI um, director in that particular area to find out where. Right, so it's not just broken windows for the cops. Right. So in other words, you had some areas, we have a second story coming out today by Alan Appel, where you'd go into an area with a lot of crimes and you're seeing that trees were overgrown blocking mm-hmm. the street lights. Right. And you're also saying where seniors were tripping because the sidewalk's broken. Right. And you're kind of putting that all together. We're putting it all together and we're trying to solve the problems. And you know, also you need, you need people out on the street. So if all, and there are a lot of old people in that part, like around Shelton and mm-hmm. um, you know mm-hmm. the, the mud hole. We don't call it that anymore. No, that, that where people no, are out on the street more, whether the street lights are out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you have less crime that way too. Absolutely. And so those are the, and so when you have every department that is responsible for all of those things, then you have an ability to address all of those things at once. And you taught in housing code, which is so interesting to me because we're not going to go back. I'm like, I've got another call here. We're not going to go back to um, to the days when we have a lot of factory jobs for people. We are hoping to build more and more jobs right. that you can get without being, you know, having PhDs that make a decent wave to all the learning. And we are promoting home ownership. But you're not going to have that situation where people working around the clock, 18,000 jobs at Winchester Arms Factory, plus, you know, at Sargent mm-hmm. and all those places. And that's who owns the houses. You are going to have a lot of rental housing, which is not necessarily bad, but you got to keep on top of it. And you've got to make sure that the landlords understand that we're going to keep on top of it. Okay, we better get to some of these calls. So if you're listening to Mayor Monday at, at uh, WNHH Radio, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM. I'm sorry, we did just lose a call, a 917 call. If you want to hold tight five minutes and call back, if you don't mind, we apologize very much. But first, we're going to take a call from Bob. Bob, how you doing? You're on Mayor Monday with Tony Harp. All right, Mayor. And how are you, Paul? I'm doing great. It's good I to hear do- your voice. I survived the storm, didn't lose power last night. You're in the hill, aren't you, Bob? I'm in Fairhaven Heights. Okay, Fairhaven Heights, okay. Fairhaven Heights, yeah, and I'm surprised because that wind, 
was blowing, and it sounds like it still is right now outside. Um, but my question, Mayor, is did one part of the city, you know, suffer more damage than the other? Yeah, I, I, I think that um, Lower Hill um, um, City Point was the area that really caught the, the brunt of the storm. I think most of the 15, not all, but many of the 15 trees that went down were in City Point, Bob. Those are those big, beautiful, historic trees that at some point are going to topple. And also the power went out throughout City Point. So there were 700 customers in New Haven. I think they were who lost their power. I think they were concentrated in the City Point neighborhood. And the interesting okay. thing about that, I used to, to, to work not far from there, but um, in, in the Hill neighborhood, that is, seems to be a very delicate part of the overall electric grid for the city, unfortunately. Why is that? I don't know, but uh, whenever, if something was going to go out, it always seems to go out in that area. No, you're right, City Point. Now that I'm coming to think of it, it's often City Point. It could also be that it's around the harbor. Yeah, it so could that, be that. That also is part of it, but I bet you're right. There must be some issue there. We have a lot of, like, we just upgraded all the infrastructure there on Grand Avenue. That was old, um, and we have a lot of algae that they're fixing there. Bob, did you, um, I've got this hunch yes, you might I have more questions. More question, yeah. And it's uh, regarding a problem, and you've talked about it, Mayor, uh, with rats downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, what is being done, if anything, and, you know, can you give us the latest about it? Sure. Uh, um, unfortunately, the city does have a rat problem downtown. A lot of it occurs because people, um, because we're not really emptying the trash, uh, particularly. And Bob, th- wait, I'm going to let Bob, just want to let Bob, thanks for calling. We're going to end the call. Bob, right, you can yep, listen on your radio. You. And so um, the, so basically what we're doing is, I don't know if you've seen those big belly um, trash cans that um, are, our IT, they use uh, solar power to compound the trash and make it make the trash cans actually um, hold more trash, so that you're not seeing a lot of that um, going onto the street. We're we're getting more and more on the green side. That there are more on the other side. So we think that that will help. Um, we know that. Um, it's also a seasonal migration due to construction downtown, and it often dislodges uh, the rats. The um, parks department is working with us to make sure that we can um, send out uh, those folks who uh, reduce the overall populations, particularly in the parks, so that we're doing some of that. Um, and we're, we're hoping to get a handle on the rats. Now, one question I had about the rats... Um, was, is this new? No, it's not really new. The rats have always been there. Uh, but That's I what I thought. It's a low-lying area in the water table. I thought that was part of what that was about. That, that's part like of it. Like you go to Georgetown, you see it right by where the low-level water table is. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, and one of the things that, that, that I'm wondering if we can do, are there natural predators to the rats Ooh. that we could encourage to... Uh, that would not be predators to us, too, to human beings, but that we could encourage to um, to spend some time in particularly a downtown green area. I was trying to think of a clever, um, naughty thing to say about natural predators, but nothing came to mind. <laughs> but we finally got... Uh, thank you for calling back, 917. You're on the air with Mayor Tony Harp. Who's calling? Uh, this is Dustin Red. I'm a resident of West Haven. 
Hey, thanks for calling. Hi, Tony, Miss Hart. Thank you. Uh, good morning. What's your I'm question? Calling, um, my question is, what is the city of New Haven? I usually frequent, frequent New Haven um, as a visitor, and I wanted, I was really distraught to hear about the story of the decapitation on, uh, I believe it's the Hill section on Congress Avenue um, in front of the App Foundation. And oh, I found that That wasn't decapitation. Really, that was a stabbing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a decapitation. A stabbing, yeah. I oh, mean, okay. either way, it's stabbing. not good. Yeah, yeah, it's not <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. I, I, no, no, I, no apologize yeah, needed, stabbing. man. No apologize needed. Thanks for the call. <laughs> so is your question what's being done with that case or with the App Foundation in general? Well, what's being done, because I frequent that through the on the bus or sometimes I walk, and um, and what what the city is going to do to to prevent crimes such as that, like really violent crimes, and also what is the city going to do to um, uh, to increase its um, image as a um, a place that's attractive and make people want to come here and spend time here. Hey, thanks um, for that in, great in this in this area. Thank you for that great question. I'm no. gonna I want you to listen on your. I'm gonna ask you to listen on your radio or on the web, and we'll ask Mayor Harp to respond. So sure. he's asking about crime, violent crime, the, the crime that happened in the Hill. Sure. Um, I, I, one of the things that we're working on in that, that, that most recent um, stabbing that occurred in the Hill across the street from the App Foundation um, is troubling to me. I have been working with our Community Services Administrator, Martha Okafor to work with the App Foundation to find another way uh, to engage their patients so they're not having to wait across the street um, before they're seen. And that's to the get methadone, their methadone clinic where people come from as far away as Willimantic and Waterbury, and you have had concerns about whether they're doing a good job keeping things safe and orderly right outside the um, right. block away from the school. And so one of the things that we're 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 trying to, to work with the App Foundation to have a better practice model so people don't have to wait outside. They're um, about 50 feet from a K-8 through school, the Daniels School. It's troubling to all of the neighbors and to me, too, that people have to wait outside. Oftentimes, these people fall prey to people who are selling drugs out there. Uh, also, their practice model allows for people to... Um, have dirty urines and get methadone. Some of the other places across the state don't do that. They claim that it is a harm reduction model, but uh, and and it may well be. But I think the people who get treatment there are people who are very vulnerable and should be treated with some dignity. And I don't think they are. And uh, I no. have, I I I. But beyond that, uh, it turns out that the nexus of this disagreement that uh, sort of led to this violence was domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And um, Right, as we reported, it was a fight over a girlfriend and an ex-girlfriend. You know, one woman who was going, the one guy who was going out with the woman who goes there and the other one who wasn't. And so what we're, we're, we're doing in the city of New Haven is we've asked the people from um, Yale School of Medicine, um, Department of Psychiatry, some of the, the academics there, to work with us over the next six months 
to come up with better ways, better programming to deal with domestic violence in our city. Um, I, I think that once we can come up with a way that it could solve some of that throughout our city, I think that you'll see crime reduced even further. And, and what is unfortunate is that people don't recognize the progress that we've made in the city. I mean, violent crime is down a lot. It's down a, a whole lot. And, um, and I'm really proud of the work that we do, the community-based policing. And um, we see it. Actually, the, the App Foundation isn't that far from the Hill South, no, Hill North uh, station. <laughs> I always call you East or West, but we're talking a block. I know, we're talking a block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And, and so, you know, one of the things maybe in the interim that we can work with the App Foundation in doing is making sure they hire private security out there. If they're going to go. have people yeah. out there waiting across the And they do have the security street. and they go to the line, the property line. But they should be, they require that people wait across the street. So if they're their patients, their security should be over there with their I mean, When patients. our reporter was there writing about the story, we took the photo of the car pulling up and doing a drug deal right there. I mean, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah it was, um, Hello. So anyway, Honda <laughs> Smith wrote in on the rats. She does public space inspection for the city. I mean, just on the public works department. She said those rats have been there as long as she has. Doesn't mean there's not a rat situation. It means that I thought that too, where there was an article saying, well, what's new about this? Not that right. it shouldn't be written about, but people might've had a misperception all of a sudden we've been invaded by rats. No, well, it's not all of a sudden, you know, I've been here for, for, for many decades and we've always had rats in New Haven. I was just reading in the economist, they love to eat rats in wild rats in Ghana. Oh, well maybe, and they maybe were trying, there's they, a business there. And they were trying to, <laughs> the government was trying to get them to grow the rats, eat rats that are grown in cages. But they didn't like them because the wild rats ate a greater variety of grasses that made them tastier from what was in their bellies. Oh, that's but interesting. I guess that's way off topic. But <laughs> Robert Hale, you wrote in. Thank you for writing in to Mayor Monday with Mayor Tony Hart being subjected to stories about rats in Ghana. Robert There's Hale's a business there, though, Paul. <laughs> well, this thing about me was found that like science couldn't, couldn't supplant nature. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Hale, morning, Mr. Bass May Hart. Morning to you, sir. What is the status of the redevelopment of the Frontier lot at Orange and Audubon? So that's where there used to be an SNET building and long ago the New Haven Arena and the, no, not the Arena. You long ago the New Haven Register. It's a big parking lot now and that you guys got a developer in in like seven minutes, got it all approved to build right, the, right. hundreds of apartments, stores, offices. What's going on with that? Sure. Uh, the developers, Spinnaker, and as you know, they were stopped from developing um, in another site not too far from there, and they're moving forward. I think they're looking at design uh, right now. They're trying to uh, to deal with um, design and all of the things that you have to do before you can actually build. We're going into the middle of, well, we're leaving the building season, and I, I predict that we'll be breaking ground sometime in the spring. I think it's in two phases. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, what was interesting about that was that uh, that was one of the proposals that did not generate much controversy. It's a big project. And I think most people, I mean, there were little ideas about like how much you promote cars and where do you put a garage. But in general, there was this feeling that you have one of our last big open spaces downtown that was just a parking lot. And you can turn that into hundreds of apartments and stores, expand the successful Audubon district. Right. And that's kind of a win-win. And the other thing I was interesting about is you mentioned it obliquely in, in passing. Spinnaker is a developer from Fairfield. 
there were one of these builders who we used to have to bribe to come to New Haven back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even the aughts. People didn't want to build here. We have to give them incentives. They've come in and said, your apartment market's hot. New urbanism's happening. New Haven's happening. We want to build here. And you, they kind of have to make us pleased with their plan rather than vice mm -hmm. versa. But they wanted to build another one of those plans that were pretty popular in Worcester Square. They and one other developer wanted to build on some vacant areas there and mostly vacant areas. And a competing property owner who didn't want to fix up his property kept tying it up with lawsuits. And I'm talking about Chapel Street where Worcester Square and New Haven are about to meet by the train tracks there and uh, right off Olive Street between Olive and State. There were going to be 500 apartments and two projects that kept getting held up with lawsuits, one of them to be built by Spinnaker, the other one by a local developer, Petra. What's up with that? I know you guys want a bunch of them because they're nuisance suits, but they still tied it up for years. No, I think that, that we won uh, the initial suit, and I think they went back to court. We expect to win the other one. And uh, the, the really good news is that the developers are not dissuaded. They still want I to. I thought it. Petra it was an open question whether they're still going to build, but that Spinnaker was in. Yeah, Spinnaker's definitely in. Um, I hadn't heard that Petra was, had moved away. Of course, everyone always has to be nervous about the Fed, whether they raise rates and whether that's going to affect, because right now there's a time when people want to build. Right. And that's the game the competitor's playing. All right. Dustin Red wrote in, what are we, oh no, we already got him with Dustin. B um, Bud Mensch, where will the new homeless center be after they move from Grand Avenue? So now we're talking about next to the old Farnham Courts, it's going to be the new Farnham Courts on Grand Avenue near Hamilton. There's been a shelter that's had some problems yep. in its management, but they are, as part of the rebuilding of Farnham Courts, they're going to need to move, and they wanted one property that was near a strip joint, and there were some concerns about that on East Street. Do you know where it's going to be? Uh, I really don't. Uh, I know that they're still looking for an appropriate space. Is the city helping in that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, for this winter, it's still going to be open, correct? It is. Because um, we're, we've seen an uptick in homelessness, it seems like. After we kind of got rid of chronic homelessness, it seems like the economy's maybe hitting people in that level more now. I mean, we've been hearing that they've already been filled up on some nights. We're not really into winter yet. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we're, we're hearing as well is that some of it, again, has to do with some of the treatment that we have here and that people come in. They don't really want to go back. They just want to spend the night if they have early appointments here. So they stay all day and maybe go home on the weekends. And so uh, there's it's a very, it's, it's a deep uh, uh, problem that we have. Some of it is homelessness and others is access to um, the daily services, particularly methadone that people want and need. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tom writes in. Oh, I love this question. Would you support a hybrid board of police commissioners with a mix of elected and appointed commissioners? Would this make the police commission more fit to be a truly civilian review, democratic civilian review board? And that question came up that Marcus Packer, who was running for mayor and to suspend mm. his campaign, was in a debate where he said, let's, the board of ed went hybrid. It used to all be appointed by the mayor. Now to be elect two of the members, we have half elected, half appointed. Should we do that as well with the board of police commissioners? You know, I, I, I would have to take a look at it. I Right now, I don't think so. Um, but hasn't it worked out great at the Board of Ed? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I think the jury's out on that one. I gave you a leading question there. It's called, it's called a softball <laughs> that you're supposed to hit out of the park. Uh, uh, let me tell you something. You know, I think, I think the way that it used to be worked quite nicely. Thank you very much. One idea you have floated <laughs> is instead of doing a new civilian review board as requested on the charter, it's been mm -hmm. held up for years, even though voters want it, because there's been this question about subpoena power that wasn't really thought out before it went on the ballot. 
And um, and that's how you're not going to give it to the civilian review board. And it's hard to be a civilian review board about police misconduct if you can't subpoena anybody. Like imagine Robert Mueller saying, Manafort, did you do anything? No, okay, fine. You have to subpoena <laughs> stuff. So um, the police commission has that subpoena power. It used it in the 1970s to do a great investigation into illegal police wiretapping in New Haven. Um, you have talked before about rethinking the Board of Police Commissioners, maybe not in terms of making it a hybrid like the wonderfully functioning Board of Ed, but rethinking who gets appointed how and what its mission is to see if it wants to become the de facto civilian review board. And, and I think we should really work on that because it seems like that we will be reinventing the will and we've just got to make our, our police commission take on that added responsibility. I mean, technically it's their responsibility anyway, but they've just got to figure out a way to a process to put in place to actually fulfill that part of their responsibility. And folks, I love the way you're all joining in the conversations in real time. This is great. Thank you, everybody, for joining our conversation here at Mayor Monday. Norman, Mom I don't know what's in the water today, but it's working. <laughs> Norman, maybe it was those winds that kind of loosened everybody up. Norman Momoeto Clement, how about building actual housing for homeless people along the same model as Salt Lake City? I'm not familiar with the Salt Lake City yeah, model. Nor am I. I'm sorry, Norm. Maybe if you want to, maybe we'll look it up for next week. But there is the question about building housing for the homeless. So uh, we are. And I think that we are doing some of that. We're doing transitional housing, and we've recognized that because it's difficult to move people out of the transitional housing, that it's become uh, permanent housing. We're working with. Um, now, what transitional housing is, if I haven't understood well, I'm thinking of facilities like 616 Winchester, the old. Ivy Street School, they were called the Ivory mm -hmm. Street School, that's my son, um, that where, where families who were homeless getting back on their feet live there with supportive help, that's called supportive housing, mm -hmm. to, with social workers or other kind of people to help them work out what they need to be more permanently housed. And then you're also thinking about, when you say transitional, there's going to be supportive housing like um, on State Street for people with addiction when you have services, or on Pendleton Street by Whaley, those uh, kind of facilities? Sure, and I, and I think over on uh, Frontage Road, there's some as well. And the problem is, especially for individuals, it's really hard to, to move them into permanent housing because the, the permanent housing doesn't exist. And so Columbus House is developing some housing in... Um, the, in the hill, right by the um, by off the, between the boulevard. Well, and they're doing some in the in the in the hill. We wrote about a new thing they broke ground on there. They they did something um, with Yale. Actually, the the building project that Yale School of Architecture does every year was done in conjunction with with. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, they're building housing for the homeless. Columbus House, but they're also doing some others over in Dixwell, New Hallville neighborhood. And um, and it will likely be, it'll start out as transition, but ultimately become permanent. All right. Now, also, when you, you, you're doing something called the downtown, Hill the Downtown process, which you're not just looking at one project. You're looking at a whole lot of housing that's going to be built, whether it's the old Church Street South, across Church Street South Road, you're going to have a lot more housing built, Randy Salvatore. And we've made a decision in New Haven that we want 30% of all that housing to be affordable. Right. Is that part of the response? Well, you know, I think that oftentimes that is part of it, but most that housing is likely to be for families. And the, the toughest homeless population to serve um, from an individual are the individuals, the people who would be in the individual shelters. 
and um, and and they're very difficult to serve. Well, so. SRO, single room occupancy facilities, used to do a lot of that, right? Right, and I think that's why we're having the the public hearing on on those through the city plan. Commission. Is that realistic? I mean, do we build SROs anymore? We don't, but but we could, and there are some that exist quietly in the city. Okay, I didn't know like where because remember there used to be the one the old <laughs> Prince Theater. Remember they got rid of that one in the hill on Congress? I, I, uh, yep, I remember that. There was one, uh, look, uh, about three doors down from where I used to live on Linwood Place. Really? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. that is quiet. I never had any idea about that one. Oh, you didn't know about that one? SRO oh. over there. Okay. Yeah. But people are jumping in. This is great. Um, <laughs> Bud Mintz says, why don't you build small houses like they have in Detroit? Now, that's a really good question, Bob Mensch, because I know that LCI over the years, and I think they're still thinking about this, is looking at these mini lots in New Hallville. There are a lot of land in New Hallville that used to have houses on them that don't now that are very small. Some of them have great um, gardens in them. Some of the idea I know Eric Johnson used to run LCI used to talk about um, the uh, building these micro houses. Now that's different from micro apartments. You've gone on record saying you don't think we need 300 square foot apartments the way they have in some other cities that's been proposed in some market rate housing projects because that's about squeezing in as many people who can pay a lot of money as possible. I know that's another debate. That's a fair debate mm-hmm. that has two sides. Micro housing was different. The idea was that you get a house for like 600 square feet, 900 square feet on a sliver lot so that you actually have someone be able to afford to own a house and you're not sque- squeezed into a closet. Is that something that's being looked on? Well, you know, I think it's something we should look at and I have not, we have not had that conversation with Serena. Honda Smith uh, writes in use some of that open space and build a tiny house community with social services only. And so Honda Smith was sort of on the same page there before. Well, you see it on television all of the time and people seem to be doing pretty well with it. My only concern is that when you have a, a lot of density too, uh, like hundreds of them on top of one another, that it could become blighted. So, so yeah, I thought part of your point was that we're not, we, we are getting denser, meaning more people living in New Haven, which is sure. a good thing, but that we don't need to have the same level of density we have in some of the bigger cities that can take away from your quality of life. I thought that was your point about like Dwight Street, where they wanted to cram more students into 300 square foot apartments, the way they're doing in New York. Sure. I, I don't think that, it, and, I, and I ultimately think that it, it fails because it, it becomes a, a real problem for our livable cities initiatives, for our public space inspectors, uh, because it's tough for people to live in such a crowded condition. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting. We are in a new era of urban policy. Right. And, you know, New Hope is sort of such an interesting neighbor for it. On the one hand, you're dealing with a new kind of home ownership model and a lot of absentee owners and how you can deal that with existing government resources. On the other hand, you've got these lots to look at, lots of opportunity. Lots about, of opportunity. What kind of and, policy we're going to use? When do we want to be dense? When do we not be quite as dense? And I don't mean dense as stupid. I mean dense <laughs> as people crowded together. When's it going to get more people opportunity? And when is it going to make it too crowded and, re- and create new problems by making it so crowded? Well, and I think that we have to think about it. But one of the things that I would like to do, and if the sliver lots allow this, is to create more home ownership. Because if people own their own homes, they're going to be more invested in them. Uh, but when you have big, uh, uh, small-sized uh, apartments that are huge, dense facilities, and we got rid of those because they just didn't work. Right, very interesting. And then um, B. Jammin, whoever B. Jammin is, thank you so much for writing in. You definitely win for best name of the day. <laughs> Will citizens be able to be on the Civilian Review Board? Yes, absolutely. It's called a civilian review board for that reason. And actually, and even if you make it to police commission, you do have civilians on there. Uh, all of the all of the people on the police commission are civilians as well. 
Booker T. Majunkin writes in. Thank you for writing in, Booker T. Hello, Mr. Bass and Mayor Harp. Hello to you. You tap on addition. What are you planning on doing to help out some of the addiction facilities in New Haven? And how can we look in getting these people help and funding? Thank you for that question, Booker T. McJunkin. I think it means that like we have agencies that help people have addiction, not just the apt. Mm-hmm. Do we want to help get them more money? It's interesting. I, I love hearing you talk about May Harp because you've seen it from both sides. Um, you spent decades at the legislature fighting for money for social services, wanting there to be good treatment. For instance, in methadone clinics, they say the the, the uh, now conventional thinking is that you want to be out there to use that. But also, as mayor, you have to look at have responsibility by those facilities, and you look at how New Haven takes on a lot of the responsibility for caring for people without getting the support from the state, and how do you negotiate that? So Booker T is asking, are there efforts being made to get more drug and alcohol treatment? And Well, one of the things that we're doing here in, in New Haven is a project that we call LEAD, it's law enforcement uh, addiction diversion. And so if a police officer discovers someone who is a user, what we would do previously, well, now, prior to implementing this project, is that uh, they would immediately go into the criminal justice system. And so you're criminalizing an addiction, which is a disease. So uh, now the police officer will be able to refer that person into treatment through the Cornell Scott Hill Health Center. And um, hopefully that will um, be something that will um, incent the person to maintain the treatment and to, to, to get off of the drugs. Once they're in that system, if they need to go into a, a, um, a treatment facility for a number of days uh, outside of the community, that's something that could be available to them. So I think it's important, but I think you also have to have um, responsible um, people who provide treatment. That social service agencies need to be have some responsibility to the community. They absolutely have to, and they have to look at how their practice model impacts the overall community. And that's all I'm saying. Look, I on methadone, I think we have um, doctors who. Um, have subspecialties in addiction, they can't practice in Connecticut. Why can't a person go and get their methadone from their doctor? Why do they have to go to these clinics and wait outside, you know, like 100 feet away across the street? That's very interesting. Why can't they go to their doctor to get methadone? I, you know, we tried to get that passed when I was in the General Assembly, and it absolutely couldn't happen. And, uh, and I believe if we think it's a disease, why don't we treat it like a disease? Obviously, these people are not getting the kind of social supports around the methadone that they ought to get, or they wouldn't have what appears to be a methadone mill in that particular program. Now, there are other programs in our city that are very responsible in terms of the way in which they provide methadone treatment. They also have counseling. They also have case management. Uh, And then you have one where it just seems like um, the model is just not working for the individuals as well as for the city. Thank you, Mayor Harp. Norman Clement writes in, how about apartment ownership? Instead of building all this high rental apartment building that most of us cannot afford. So I guess that's condos, which is, I'm not sure if that's what Norm means, because we talked about 30% including affordable housing within projects that are market rate. We talked about the public housing authorities doing quite a bit of development, whether you're talking about Valley Street, where they're rebuilding those apartments or rebuilding the 
Farnham Courts project, not just as Farnham Courts, but in other parts of the town, because we de-densified that. But what about condos? For the first time that I can remember in recent history, someone wants to build condos in New Haven. Now, it's possible I've missed something. But in the 80s, everyone was building condos, and then it went bust. Now everyone's building apartments because their lenders will not give them money for condos. They feel like the market is for rental, not condos. But one of the big new property management firms and development firms in town that does low-income housing and medium income, they don't have to go to a bank. They get investors from Israel and Florida and New York that keep pouring them in to buy these properties. And a lot of them are Section 8, but they branched out. And they're just able to get their investors, and they're able to just have their investors trust them what they think the market will support. So they've, this is Ocean Management. They believe the market will support new condos at the old Lehman Brothers factory in Goatville, right near Wilbercross High School. And they're building, I believe it's three dozen or so, or 30 condos there. What, um, what, how do you feel about that? Was the, is that going to be one part of the piece of the solution here? Well, I, I really wish that there was a market um, in your sort of traditional banking sector for condos because I think we're going to be overrun with with apartments at some point. I think we're getting very close. Boom and bust cycles. And it wasn't necessarily so bad that the condo cycle went bust in the 80s, I think. I don't know what you think about this. It was bad when the people left town, the owners, and lost their property and they weren't responsible. There was a crack den that was right near Bella Vista off Eastern Street that had been one of those projects. But in other cases, they just became affordable. So the investors lost their money. I mean, I still believe that's going to happen in Winchester Lofts. I don't know if those new, pe- new York people are always going to be to do $3,000 a month apartments, but they have these nice places there that if they take a haircut on some of their investments and they're going to be fine, um, maybe we'll have $1,500 a month apartments there. Or maybe there'll be a way that uh, someone will create a fund and um, they'll be able to, to make them condos, which I think would probably stabilize the neighborhood a little bit. Oh, that's bit. interesting. Okay, yeah. there you go. Mayor <laughs> Harp here, Mayor Monday, your place to find out what's really going on in the city. Here on WNHH 103.5 FM, live stream, New Independent Org. This has been wonderful that the, the listeners and have been um, guiding the conversation, but I do want to make sure we get to a couple of points before we get out because only a few minutes left. It looks like we're going to have a state budget. Um, finally, the Democrats and Republicans passed something. Some mm-hmm. of us might not say finally when we look at the fine print, but it seems you look like a relaxed individual this morning. Is that because <laughs> it didn't turn out to be the disaster you were fearing? Uh, we're still looking at the numbers, to be honest with you. And um, we, we're really concerned that uh, something that we put in our capital budget, they put in the, um, in the overall general fund to, to say publicly that we didn't lose funding. But it looks like we've lost at least $3.5 million. What was that funding for? Because I know that educational cost savings was flat, meaning we're getting the money we used to get under one big fund for public schools. There's other... Public. It's low slip. It's the money that we use to, to, to fix our roads and our sidewalks. So that's usually bonding money we get to um, be reimbursed when we do those kind of fixes, bridges, roads. Right. And so they, they are counting that as uh, holding us um, harmless. harmless. <laughs> and it was never put in that, uh, in that column before. So it's, it's, it's troubling. If this budget passes, are you going to have to raise taxes or lay people off? Uh, we're still looking at that. Okay. And um, is, it, is it possible that taxes would go up? or would We're still of, looking at that. We don't know. We've got to be able to, I mean, I think people want me to have a balanced budget. I don't know if I'll be able to balance it based upon what the state has done. But we want to look at the fine print. Maybe we'll be okay. All right. Let's, hope, let's keep our fingers crossed. Mayor Harp, you're at Gracie Mansion. New yes. York City with Bill de Blasio for a whole day and mayors from around the country. What was going on? Well, you know, we were looking at... Uh, 
civil rights issues. We were there with the um, Urban League, the National Urban League, and we were looking at defining some of the um, um, important policies that we don't think will um, get a good hearing unless there is a broad-based support for those policies. And so um, we were there um, together affirming that we would do that as mayors and as leaders of civil rights groups. So that, what did you plan, what did you say you're gonna do? You're forming some new kind of lobbying effort for this stuff or what's the? Yeah, we're basically um, uh, setting up a new lobbying effort, probably an effort to think through policies and come up with, with new policy ideas. And this is basically on, um, on immigration, on um, um, the prison pipeline, on a lot of the civil rights issues that we worry are are not being addressed by this current administration. Mayor de Blasio, after the Trump election, was hoping to emerge as the leader of a mayor's group like that, and then he kind of faded into the background. Do you see him trying to reassert himself here with this? Well, you know, I think that what um, um, is happening is that um, there is a real sense, and I don't, I don't know that it's Mayor de Blasio. He's in the process of, of running for re-election. Well, so sort of. Let's put running in quotes. <laughs> That guy's got a layup there. Uh, yeah, so, um, but I, I do think that there is an interest of some of the more progressive mayors across the United States to begin to grapple with these issues together. And you know, I see him being a leader, but also uh, Mitch uh, Landrieu from New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. And Mayor New Haven, who runs the African American Mayors Association, is right. also kind of stepping up to the plate there. <laughs> and uh, well, I think we kind of raced. This has been kind of a fun episode. We never quite had this much every a second lot, people yeah. coming. I love it. It's kind of what we want to do here. <laughs> Let the people speak to the mayor and hear back. Mayor Harp, this week you got um, the Q House groundbreaking on Saturday. Yep. And then you also got the launch of the official holiday season. Yes, we're excited about that. The Christmas tree is uh, getting its lights and is going to be uh, pretty soon. Uh, all decorating us up, and, and I'm going to be announcing my Christmas card pretty soon. So all right, that's we're a biggie. excited, and, and then you course, also go. Sh- of course, uh, of course, we're going to have a big parade, a uh, Halloween parade, I believe tomorrow. So. Is that the one in Morris Cove? Yeah, yeah, that's that's one. Not to be a six o'clock meeting at the seawall. And I saw this little young man. Uh, there was a parade also in Fairhaven Heights, and he was a transformer. And his parents made him a costume that went from a. A car to a, a transformer person. It's really amazing. Wow. I heard superheroes are in this year. They're in. And Halloween. you know, the parents are working hard. You know, I got to give it to them. <laughs> so maybe maybe that can spill over. Get a few superheroes in the civic realm as well. Oh, that would be great. Mayor Harp, thanks so much for coming in today for Mayor Monday. It's always a great way to start the week. Thanks to Bertram Moses, PC, and Gateway Community College for providing financial support for today's show. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How I Feel to Be Free. From the CD, A Plea for Peace. Now, Mayor Harp, do we know what it's like to be free? I think that we're working on it. We can book our flight, We right? got to book our flight. Okay, <laughs> that's a great idea. If we know what it's like to be free, let's book, right? let's book your flight every day and every night here at <laughs> WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Mm-hmm.